0: Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. This morning, I want to talk to you about discerning God's voice. Hearing His voice, discerning His voice in the midst of what can be a myriad of voices. And I do so in the context of, we have been saying of late, you know, the the importance of knowing the Holy Spirit, of becoming better acquainted with Him, knowing what the Word of God would expect of us, coming out of the shadows and into the light. In order to do any of these things, we need to be well acquainted with the voice of God, to be led by the Lord. We cannot be led by the Lord if we are not able to discern or to hear his voice. So this is what I want to share with you this morning. Have you ever come up with an absolutely brilliant idea, only to find out just a little bit later that it wasn't such a great idea after all? All the men are raising, are thinking yes, and all the wives are going, "Yeah, no, I know but he did. He did. He came up with some great ideas. You thought you came up with the perfect gift idea." So let me give you an example. Many years ago. Well, I I know when Pastor Andreas travels, when he goes to Florida, there's a couple he stays with called Steve and Nicky. And Steve brews this stuff called kombucha. Have you ever heard of it? It's fermented tea, in essence. And you have to get what's called a scoby, which looks like, please forgive me for the analogy, a big brown snot ball. It is disgusting. It's some kind of biochemical thing that as you put it in tea with some sugar and some things to flavor it, it slowly starts fermenting the sugars, and the drink doesn't become alcoholic. I think the alcohol is very, very minimal, but it, it, it produces this stuff called kombucha. And I remember years ago when I traveled with Pastor Andreas to, to Florida once, he loved this kombucha stuff, where it's hot and it's humid in Florida, you drink this and it's refreshing. So for his birthday one year, I decided he loves this stuff. Let me see if I can organize some kombucha. Now, you need to understand, this takes months of preparation. First of all, you need to get bottles together to put the kombucha in, bottles that seal and reopen and seal. You have to get the big glass thing to, to, to ferment it in, and you have to get this thing called the scoby, this, this what would you call it? Yes, that, that, that ball, yes. This thing called the scoby, which would sit on top of the tea and cause it to ferment and. I eventually found some place out in Nuatuk which would sell, it's a live culture, that's what it is. So that's what, I had to buy this live culture and get the thing to start working and I brewed some and it was terrible, so I made some more and it tasted a little bit better and i you know, I had to do a few batches to try and figure this whole thing out and eventually for his birthday, I gave him kombucha. And of course, he was delighted, wasn't, no, because first of all, it didn't taste great. Second of all, kombucha is something you drink there. It's not something he drinks here. Now, while he was grateful for the effort, my fantastic idea, not so fantastic. And I'm sure you can all relate to that as well. You came up with this fantastic idea you were going to do for your spouse for Mother's Day or Father's Day or the anniversary or something, and it just all fell flat. Maybe your great idea was this business venture. This was going to change everything, and unfortunately, no, it didn't. Maybe you thought a certain way about someone, only to be proven wrong later, either for the better or for the worse. Maybe you thought it would be a really good idea to support New Zealand for the Rugby World Cup final. (laughs) The point is, we all come up with good ideas, things that we think are right. Uh, Not just that we think are right, that we are convinced are right. And we become invested in these things and we plow time and resources into these things only to be met with the disappointment when our expectations are unmet. And we become disillusioned. And I always remember Tony Fitzgerald saying, if you're feeling disillusioned, it generally means you had an illusion to begin with. And this is something that we all struggle with. The fact is that you and I don't know it all. But the trouble is that while we, don't, while we can accept this fact that we don't know it all, we tend to act like we do. We tend to live like we do and pretend that we know what's going on and what's happening. We tend to lean on past experiences. We tend to lean on well-formed perceptions based on all manner of things. The book of Proverbs issues us a couple of warnings. You might have read these recently. Proverbs 14.12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Wow, that's sobering, isn't it? Proverbs 16.9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord orders his steps. So you can plan and you can come up with all these great ideas, but God is still God. I want to say to you this morning... The way that you think, your current pattern of thought, the paradigms you have, the perceptions you have, what you believe in, how that how you live that out, has gotten you to where you are today. But the way you're thinking and your paradigms and your perceptions and the way you've also done things, all up to this point are keeping you where you are today. If we are going to progress into the fullness of God's plan for our lives. We're going to have to begin seeing things a little differently. There's no two ways about that. And sometimes, maybe a lot differently. Amen? Let's just take stock. I am where I am, I have what I have, and I do what I do because of what I believe and the way I live that out. And what I believe and how I live that out is perpetuating my situation. How many of you want more of God? Everyone will put up their hands. How many of you are looking for breakthrough? A new passion, new zeal in your life for the things of God? How many of you long to experience the power of God at work in your life? To discern the voice of God, the peace of God, to have faith greater than what you have it right now? All of these things, to, to all of these things we would say, yes, I desire. But for that, something is going to have to change. Because what we've done until now is not sufficient for what is coming. Our measure of maturity, our measure of revelation of the God is not, of God is not sufficient for that next level. But there is hope, because we can do something about that. Let's look at a few scriptures that speak into this. These are some of my favorite scriptures because they call me to something. Ephesians one verse, a uh, bigger pardon. Ephesians two verse ten. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You have works waiting for you. Do you know what they are? We think we know what we're doing. We think we have a clear idea of where we're going. But God says, actually, I've created you for purpose. And I, I really want to show you these things. We need to understand that God is not withholding these things from us. It's not that we're waiting on God to rock up and show us what's happening God's waiting on us to just come and give Him our ear, and He can start guiding us. And the thing about God is this. We want Him to show us the end from the beginning. Seldom does He do that. Very seldom. Generally, it's step by step, little by little. Isaiah 55, verses 6 through to 11. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call Him while He is near. What does this mean, folks? What does it mean, while he may be found? It means there are times and seasons and rhythms within the Spirit. There are times and seasons and rhythms within the kingdom of God. And you have a calling and, a, and, and, and things to do in this time and season that you couldn't do in the last season and that you won't be able to do in the next. You have a context that is unique to now. Now. And the Lord is saying, seek me now for now as well as for your tomorrow. Lest you wake up too late and discover you missed it. Let the wicked forsake his way. This is the change that needs to happen. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts, let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. So there's this wonderful call. You know, we struggle with the guilt. Oh, I haven't been praying. Or I haven't been doing. We, we, uh, but the Lord says, if you come... I will have mercy on you. Come. And to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. All right, so we are thinking on this level. God is thinking and seeing on this level. We are speaking on this level and experiencing and living life on this level. God is on this level. And so often what we try and do is bring God's Word down to where we are at so that we can continue in our comfort zone, our level of expectation, our level of sacrifice. We've given some and we're happy with that. What God is trying to do is bring us up to His level. He says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, that it may give seed to the sower and bread for the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. There is a word that when God speaks it into your heart and you receive it by faith, it will not return to Him void. His words are not empty of power. The words of God are like seeds that produce an abundant harvest. Though you may be able to count the acorns on an oak tree, you could never count the number of oak trees in an acorn. And that's the principle. We want to pick all the acorns off the tree of God and say, oh, this wisdom and this great thing and this great thing. And God's just saying, I want you to plant this acorn in your heart and see what life that will produce, because it will produce in you a tree that produces acorns and acorns for days and for years. Let's carry on. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. So there is this wonderful word that God has, for your life, for now, for your situation. Amen? And in that Word lies everything you need for the change that is required. Did you get that? It's not about you mustering up more effort. It's not about you striving and struggling. It's about simply allowing the Word that God is speaking into and over your life right now to be planted, to believe it, to receive it, and allow it to produce its fruit. One more scripture before I break things down a little bit. 1 Corinthians 2, 11-12. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. We have everything we need to move on with God. We have the Word of God given to us. We have the Spirit of God, which makes this Word, as it is spoken into our hearts, life and light, causing it not to return void, but to produce a harvest. And we have the Spirit of God that causes that Word to come alive. He is the very vitality of the Word of God. And as we give Him room to breathe, as we give Him the the, the the place of preeminence is we give Him an attitude that says, Speak that I may follow. In other words, an attitude that says, God, I really want to change. God, I really want to move on with You. God, I'm really tired of where I've been for a really long time. It's time to come out of the shadows. And as I begin to position my heart in that attitude, so God has A freedom to come and begin to lead you and I into all that is necessary and all that He has prepared for us. Now, this all sounds wonderful, doesn't it? God has wonderful plans. His ways are not ours, but He reveals them to us by His Spirit. Now, while these points are true, there is something that we need to be aware of and that we need to take into consideration. God has wonderful plans. God has wonderful thoughts. Your problem, and my problem, is that we already have plans in place. We already have established thoughts. Imagine if you would, this is the throne of my heart. Helen, would you please come and sit here? No, this is not some kind of marriage counseling thing. This has got nothing to do with that. She just happens to be close at hand. These are my current thoughts. They are well established. That seat is shaped well by those thoughts and those perceptions. We have perceptions of God. How I think about God. What I think of him. Maybe I think he's merciful and kind. Maybe I think he's mean. Maybe I think he's holding out on me. Maybe I think he's forgotten about me. And he's favoring somebody else. Maybe I think he's punishing me. All of these things could be what I'm thinking about God. I've got think thoughts about myself. About my strengths, my weaknesses, my insecurities, my struggles. I know what I lack. I struggle with my sin and how that makes me feel I have thoughts about others maybe that's my sin too I've got thoughts about my situation and what I've been facing and generally generally the the, the stuff I'm talking about is the stuff I've been struggling with for a long time I, I at one point I had faith for my situation but it's just been in it so long that I'm wondering now I'm wondering if I still can. I'm wondering if God still wants to. I'm, I'm wondering, because I've been, you know, this was going to be a season, and then this thing with God was going to bring, and then this, and then suddenly, but, but this suddenly hasn't happened, and I'm still in my situation. And it's been in that situation for a while now. and Maybe God's moved on and left me behind. Maybe I've been overlooked. The problem with these established thoughts that we carry is that they're stubborn. They don't want to move. And so Jesus is saying, Can I? I actually have something that I'd like to put there. And we, this is what we want Jesus to do, having watched the rugby last night, <laughs> and get those thoughts out the way. But he's not going to. Folks, he's not going to. I need you to understand. God will leave you where you are if you do not truly want to change. In His mercy, He will not force Himself upon you. But He will come to you and say, can I give you another way of looking at this, please? But you're going to have to move. And as you you have been absolutely outstanding. Do you understand the principle here? God is not forceful. (laughs) God, although He may have wonderful plans for your life and wonderful things that He wants to do through you, He cannot and will not force you because He is a gentleman. No matter how wonderful God's thoughts and plans concerning our lives may be, their manifestation is dependent entirely on our willingness to allow them to displace the perspectives and attitudes we currently hold. That is what the cross is for. Because that can be painful. Sometimes the stuff we hold on to is our crutches. Jesus has brought complete healing. But we want to continue. I hope you don't mind. It's a very very handy thing. Yeah, but, but you know, I didn't have a father growing up. And so this is why I can't do this kind of thing and why I can't be like that. Yes, but I didn't go to university. So, you know, God can't use me for these kinds of things, you know, Whatever your crutch may be, you don't know my situation. I, did, I grew up poor. I, I had this. I had that. And we lean on our crutches. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Okay. Okay. If you like your crutch that much, keep it. But I don't know about you. I want to run. Not with a crutch. I want to run into everything that God has for me. I want to listen to that call and allow the wind of the Spirit to blow and to breathe on my heart and to push me ahead. So let's look at someone who had real trouble with receiving God's thoughts concerning his life. And we're going to go to the Bible once again. And we're going to go to this wonderful man named Gideon. Judges chapter 6. Gideon was a guy who had real trouble receiving God's Word. Why? Because he had entrenched perceptions and ways of viewing things that were stubborn. And God had to work with him. Let me give you some context. Israel continued to sin against God, and at, at one point His judgment came. He delivered them into the hands of the Midianites, and for seven years, they were completely just tormented by the Midianites. Their lands and their livestock and their crops were pillaged. So the Midianites would come in, they would take all the crops, and they would destroy the fields. They would take the homes. The people were completely displaced. They were left with no way to provide for themselves. They resorted to living in caves and dens in the mountains. And so in this context of hiding, because you knew if you got discovered, everything you had would be taken and possibly your life as well. So for their survival, they're hiding away in dens. And in their distress, they cry out to God, and He literally steps into the scene to call out their deliverer. And here's where we're going to join the story. Please follow along with me in Judges chapter 6 from verse 11. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was at Opera, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide from the Midianites. Now, I saw something really, really fun. We went to Cyprus a few years ago, and they were having a festival in the village. And So what they did is they had just brought in the wheat harvest, and they were milling it the old school way. So you had this, this millstone, and they had to put it in the mill, and then a bunch of guys with, big, uh, on a, with a big beam would push this millstone around. And what it would do is it would break the chaff away from the wheat kernel to expose the wheat kernel on the inside, and all the, the, the husk around the wheat kernel would come off and would be ground away. And then what they do is they take... That and they push it out and they put it into into bowls or, or buckets or whatever, and then little by little they go out to where it is windy, and they lay out a big sheet, a big blanket or a mat or a tarpaulin, and they begin throwing up the wheat. And the wheat kernels don't catch the wind, but the husks and uh, do. And so as they throw the wheat up, the wind begins to blow the husks. And they might repeat this process two or three times, but that is what it means to thresh wheat. A wine press is an enclosed area. I don't know if you've ever seen a wine press. It's a similar concept, but it's, it's a closed thing. But we can see the fear of Gideon here because he knows that if anybody catches sight of what he's doing, there goes his grain, and maybe his life. And so here he is, for fear of his life, for fear of his sustenance, trying to thresh wheat inside a wine press. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Now, who is this Lord? Who is this angel? This is what we call a theophany, a visible manifestation of God Himself, in this case, Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. God appears to him in the form, they call it an angel, but it's called a theophany. God is there. So we could say Jesus it's, oh, appeared pre-carnation to Gideon in this moment. And Gideon said to him, my Lord, so he says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Hold on. Hold on. You have got the wrong guy. Mighty man of valor. The guy who is so scared that he is threshing wheat inside a wine press. Clearly this can't be the right man, right? There is a Perception here that Jesus is trying to get out the way and he's not holding back. He's calling him exactly as he sees him. I see you as a mighty man of valor. No matter how you see yourself. This is how I see you. So Gideon said to him, "Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, In other words, if what what you're saying is true, you're crazy, crazy. I don't know where you're coming from. But if if what you're saying is true, if He's with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. So here Gideon is asking what you or I or any reasonable, rational person would ask, okay, if God is with me, then why this? Why the struggle? Why the defeat? Why the lack? Why the sickness? If the word is true, then why? God, you say this, but what I see and what I perceive is completely different. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. (laughs) What might? the might that he saw in him, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So you're saying, what might? And the Lord says, have I not sent you? That might. Not your might, Gideon. My might. When I call you a mighty man of valor, it's not because you had big muscles. It's because you had me. And I've got big muscles. So he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? This man is being honest. I like this man. I can relate to this man. Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. In other words, I am probably the worst choice right now for this assignment. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. You shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So Gideon responds, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk to me. Gideon was finding all of this very hard to get his head around, right? As would you. It is not a sin, by the way, to ask for confirmation. And this is what Gideon is doing. Why? Because like you and like me, he doesn't trust his own perception. He doesn't trust his own discernment. So he's saying... This is beyond what I could have come up with my own mind. I certainly don't see the way things you are seeing here, but I want to make sure that I am not being delusional. We need to also be careful, realizing that not all signs come from God, by the way. So yes, while it is okay to ask for confirmation, remember, not all signs come from God. I was driving down the road, Pastor, that. And I saw the light, and I just knew. Oh, Lord, what did you know when you saw the sign? Verse 18. Do not depart from here, I pray, until, you, until I come to you and bring my offering and set it before you. So, so, so Gideon now says to him, all right, I'm wanting a sign. I'm going to bring you an offering, though, if it's really you. Uh, and he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went and prepared a young goat, an unleavened bread and an effer of flour, the meat he put into a basket, the broth into a pot, and then he brought them to him under the terebinth tree and presented them to him. So the angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. So he did a miraculous sign and then he did a miraculous disappearance. And so now Gideon is sitting with these signs. He's going, okay, wow, okay, that was was weird. That was cool. But that was weird. There's definitely something supernatural going on here. Now Gideon perceived that it was he, that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, alas, the Lord God, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And he must have been familiar with where it said, no one shall see the face of God and live. And so he's going, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble here. And then the Lord, who's now no longer there in the body, says to him, peace be with you, do not fear, you shall not die. We see his natural... What is his natural knee-jerk reaction? Fear. This is not a bold man. This is a man whose natural reaction is to be worried for his own sake. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. And to this day it is still in opera. So what I want you to understand is, I'm not going to go on with the rest of the story. He then asks for another confirmation with the fleece, Let me put it out. Let the fleece be wet and the ground be dry. And then the following day he says, Okay, I just need one more confirmation that this really is you. And let the ground be wet and the fleece be dry. And they carry on. And then eventually he realizes, Okay, this is really God. This is really God. This is really God. This is really God speaking to me. I can't deny it anymore. He has satisfied my every request for confirmation. I'm going to go for it. But notice what he named this place. I love this. And he he named this place the Lord is Peace. The place where he met with God was the place where all his fears succumbed to the peace of God. There are a few things to draw from this passage. Number one, God sees you differently. Gideon did not look like a mighty man of valor. He did not act like a mighty man of valor. He did not feel like a mighty man of valor. But that is how God saw him. What are the excuses you are making? I'm too old. My time time for exploits is done. I'm not Caleb who says to God at 80, I still have the energy of a 40-year-old. I'm 40 and I'm wondering can I keep this up? <laughs> Maybe you excuses oh I'm just too busy I've got all these other things going on or uh, you don't understand you're right I don't understand but could it be possible that you don't understand that God has a plan and a word that has within it the power to transform your perspective and your experience? of life and faith in the Spirit. Yes, that's the truth. The first thing we learn is that God sees things differently to you and I. His thoughts concerning you are way greater than you could ever hope or to imagine. And the potential He placed in you is far greater than you realize. But it requires activation by the Spirit of God, the Word of God. Number two, God is speaking over your life. He's speaking. God has a word for you. He is singing over you a love song, a poem. And written within that will not just be a sense of identity and affection, but a sense of purpose that will come from it. Gideon had to wrestle with what God was saying to him. But praise God, despite his own perceptions and his lack of understanding, he allowed the word of God to displace his own perspective, thus changing the trajectory of his life. Did you know when you read through the hall of faith, the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, Gideon's name is mentioned there? This mighty man of valor who threshes wheat in a winepress. He's one of God's generals. He's one of God's favorites. He's one who really stood out. Why did he stand out? You know, I think partly the reason that he stood out so wonderfully was because he wasn't a mighty man of valor and could therefore claim no glory for himself. That's why God wants to use you. Because you are you. Number three, God is with you. God is with you. He's with you. With everything that you need. Every word of wisdom... Every encouragement, all the strength that is required. And that's why, number four, God will empower you. Now, I want to breeze through this last section very quickly. Alternatively, we have to leave it for next week. Maybe I should do that. Maybe we should stop here. Yes, I think let's stop here. Next week, we will cover some of the common pitfalls to avoid in discerning God's voice. I think if I go through it now, we're going to rush it and we're going, to, uh, we're going to miss the depth of it. The other good thing is, I've already got a sermon prepared for next week. <laughs> <laughs> Would you bow your heads with me, folks? Father, Lord, we, as we hear these words, something within our heart begins to resonate because we realize, Father, that we live very often in a state that is oblivious to what you are up to in our situation. Lord, we know that you love us. We know that you have a plan for our lives. But Father, so often we're so preoccupied with our ideas and our plans that we we give you so little time to speak into our hearts and lives. And so here's my prayer. As you sit quietly now in the presence of God... Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is here in this place. We thank you that you are here, that you are speaking. We thank you that you know and understand our situation better than we do. And we pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts. Just take a moment, turn to the Lord within you, and say, Lord, what is it that you are saying to me today? Let's just be quiet. Let's give it a few minutes to just sit and be quiet in the presence of God and listen to what the Spirit would say to you this morning. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.